Hi, my name is Victor, and welcome to the Spring Break edition of the USC Christian Challenge podcast. A servant's heart is perhaps the least likely road to greatness known to the world. And yet, God's word declares that it's the only way. In this workshop, Bob Anderson will talk about this unlikely journey to greatness, why so few people choose it, and how we might become in heart and deed a true servant. Okay, um, glad y'all are here. Put up with me another time. You have, you know, endurance to uh, put up with me, but I'm, I'm so glad to be here and talking about a uh, topic, really, that uh, is, is probably one of the, I would say, the greatest paradoxes in the Bible, if not the whole world, and about being a servant and one that uh, is as clear in the Bible as much as, in some ways, as much any other character quality might, we might have. Uh, pick up a hand out there. Uh, I think, okay, I'm getting feedback. I think it's this. I'm good. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, that today. Uh, this, you know, what I have to say may go pretty quick. So if we have a little uh, time for Q&A, that'll be great, but thanks for coming, and I appreciate your wanting to be here. Okay, we're going to talk about a servant's heart or servanthood. Let me just start with a couple of verses uh, to lead off, and I, I'm going by my handout here, so I won't be uh, diverting too much for it. I may chase a rap, rabbit here and there, but uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man but at the end of it is death. And again, you see a, a paradox here. There is a way that seems right, but at the end of it is death. And then uh, Isaiah 58 or 55, 8, for God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. And again, catch the paradox here. And, and the whole reality of servanthood is we're fighting against um, society. And so you just have to remember that God thinks differently than we do, but as much as we can, we want to buy into his thinking. So uh, I, I listed a few paradoxes here. I, I did a study a while back and um, a paradox you know, it seems that something should be one way, but in reality, it's another way. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you look at the moon, you think, wow, this is a, a really bright light up there. But in reality, the moon is dark and desolate. The only reason it's light is because the sun is off of it. So if you think, you know, people looking up the moon, you think there's a great light up there in the sky. Well, they're wrong. It's really a dark place. It just happens to be light because of reflection. And so that's the whole world of paradoxes. You know, we'll run on those at different times, but especially in our spiritual world with God, uh, there's a lot of paradoxes in the Bible. So grab a hand out there, right there. And if you could keep those, keep the whole thing. Keep all of them and hand them out to someone else who comes in. That's your punishment for being one minute late. 
And uh, so I just want to review these paradoxes with you. And these are not all of them, but these are probably the lion's share of them. Okay, one paradox, and we'll be talking about this later. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and be the servant of all. So that, that's just God's economy. Uh, the greatest among you shall be your servant. To save your life is in reality to lose it and to lose your life for Jesus' sake is to save it. Whatever I have gained, I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Uh, Paul wrote that. And then to die is to bear fruit. That's the verse in John 12. Unless a great grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I, I think I mentioned that the first night on the, the idea of the, the, our theme, pass it on. It's lest we surrender to God, then in that context, we can bear fruit. Um, when I am weak, Paul writes, then I am strong. I've, I've thought a lot about that one in past couple, last couple of years because there's been time after time that I felt really inadequate, really weak. God, can I really answer the bell on this situation? And Paul just says, look, when I am weak, then I am strong in Christ. He goes on this, to share that. But that's, that's a great passage to stud, study if you're really feeling inadequate, not up to the task, not up to the challenge. You're facing things that are difficult. You know, this, this 2 Corinthians 12 passage is a great one to reflect over. Uh, the other next one, to serve the very least is to serve the king. In, in Matthew 25, uh, these people, or Jesus said, uh, you know, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was alone, you came to me. I don't know if you remember that, that passage in Matthew 25. And these people cry out, when did we do that? We didn't actually do that for you. And it's like Jesus said, oh, that's simple. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And so I suspect that in all of our lives, we should have people that as far as society goes, as far as your culture at the university goes, could be considered the least of these for different reasons, maybe physical issues, maybe relationship struggles, uh, maybe financial issues. Um, but in your world, they could be centered the least of these. And God brought a, a gal into our lives uh, back 20 years ago. Uh, her name's Jenny. And she was so mistreated as a child, beat up by both her brother and her father. There was sexual abuse involved in the, in the family. Uh, I mentioned stupid the other night. Uh, and one of my lies, if, if you, I called, you know, I had several lies I mentioned out. She's the one that her dad called her stupid. And so she's always believed that lie. So we've had to talk to her that she really is the beloved of God. She's not stupid. She got a college degree. 
She's got four kids. I mean, she's not stupid, but she believed she was. And um, so I, and, and she, in a sense, has become the least of these for Sandy and me. She has no money. She, she married a, a jerk, a narcissist that the church that he came out and really had great vibes about him and really encouraged him uh, and her to be married. But he was a narcissist. He hit it all. And she didn't find out till she married and she, he's mistreated her. And finally, I, she, I was concerned by, for her own personal safety and the safety of the kids. And um, it's the only couple I've ever recommended they get divorced. And I've been around hundreds of couples. Some of them have real needs and I've never, ever encouraged them to get a divorce. But this one I did because I feared for her life. And uh, we've adopted her and her their last child before the, they divorced has Down syndrome, very, very needy child, a beautiful child. Uh, he's three years old. And, uh, but it takes all of her time, but she also has three other children and she lives on uh, $21,000 a year with um, her and her four kids. And you do the math on that and it's not much. So we've, Sandy and I have kind of adopted her and, and in a sense, she has, has become kind of the least of these for us to love and in our circle of community. And when I say the least of these, I don't mean she's not a worthy person. I'm just talking about she doesn't have the advantages of other people were around. And I suspect that every one of you will have an opportunity that God will give you that will be the least of these in your life. You know, it could be a a brother or sister that's way out in left field that God calls you to love in spite of that. It could be a, a person you've met in church that just is so inadequate in some, so many things and you can love up on and care for. But the reason I say that is because a part of loving God, as you've done it to the least of these, you've also done it to me. And a part of loving God in your world could be, at least at some level, someone loving someone who's the least of these. So that's what I'm going to say about that. But it's a paradox that uh, to, to love to serve the king, you love and serve the least of these. It makes no sense, but that's, that's what the Bible says. Uh, to love your life is to lose it. That makes no sense either to me, but uh, that's what Scripture teaches. To be crucified is to live. That doesn't make sense either. You know, someone came out and tied you to a tree and, and shot you. You know, that makes no sense that you're really finding life in that. Um, there's a great verse in 2 Corinthians 6, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing 
all things. So you, you see the paradoxes here. And um, so in a servant's heart, we are having to, in our brain, recognize a paradox. And in the next verse I have down there, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. The, the doorway to greatness, according to the Bible, is always through servanthood. It's not through uh, leadership opportunities. It's not through seminary degrees. It's not through being a professor of theology. It's not from being a, a worldwide speaker, podcast guy. It's the, the, the journey into greatness is always the road of servanthood. And that makes no sense to us, but it, that's the way it is. So like when you go home to your family and, you know, they're, and, and they can, you know, you're the college student and you have your life ahead of you and all that. And they might see you as such a, a great and wonderful person. But the way God would see you as great would be if you humble yourself and serve your mom and dad. And, and however that might be, it might be helping with dinner. It might be doing your own laundry. It might be this or that. But you have a servant heart. And that's where you are, are a great person in the eyes of God. Uh, and whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. There's another verse I, I should have put on there, Mark 10, 33, 34. Add verse or 43, 44. Verse 45 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's verse uh, 45. Now, you all know the story of John 13. It's probably the classic example of, of Jesus serving. You remember it was the last night before he would uh, be arrested. You know, his last shot at the disciples <laughs> and his last like big activity with them. And, and he... Uh, took up a towel and, and washed the disciples' feet. And he knew all things were given him. In fact, uh, let me read a couple of the verses here. I won't read the whole passage. But before the Feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So during supper... And the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his garment, taking up the towel, tied it to his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Peter was so stunned by this that he said, not me. What, are you, what in the world are you doing, Jesus? And, and uh, Jesus said, oh, this is really what I'm about, Peter. I'm not sure you, you haven't picked that up in three years, but this is really who I am to serve. And that's the, that's the, the, 
the journey of discipleship. Now, you can be the best Bible study leader, group leader, uh, life group leader on campus, and you can be the best one-on-one -on -one per per person on your uh, in your ministry, and uh, you can impress a lot of people with your ability and capacity. But it, but unless you're on the journey of a servant's heart, there is an incredible amount lacking in your life. And in fact, uh, I would suggest that a servant's height, and, and I think scripture proves this out, is really more important than have the greatest ministry skills you can ever learn. Uh, because that's the road of greatness. The road of greatness is not to become like a, in the world standards, a great person, the role of greatness is through a servant's heart. Um, and then the, uh, the passage in um, Philippians 2, and I have had that memorized. I'm losing some of my memory, so I'm not as good as my scripture memory as I was. Uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4 uh, Paul writes, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of, of, of others. Now this verse three, uh, consider, uh, do nothing from self, selfish conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than you. So I would ask the question, um, do you um, celebrate the victories of others of more value than your victories? Now, that is a hardcore question because I know as a student, I know I was there. I, I've led mission groups. And I've been around students and I know my own heart. One of the hardest things I ever have to do is celebrate with even my friends that are having victories and opportunities and are getting notoriety and are being praised. That is one of my hardest battles to work through in a way that honors God, to celebrate their successes, their victories, their joys. And uh, I, you know, I would suggest that um, until that really begins to happen in your life, in your life group, in your ministry, with your friends, then you are going to miss out on so much of what depth of fellowship is all about. Because it, there'll always be that, uh, oh, I, you know, I wish I was a good life group leader, like my friend, and I wish I had that. And it's okay to, you know, to wish for, for, for good abilities and things, but if it comes to where you would rather have it than me, like one, one prayer, I'll, you know, you don't need to tell anyone this, but I'll, I'll confess this to you. One prayer that, I've been praying uh, throughout this week is that Chuck would be so successful as a speaker. And, and in fact, I am praying for him as much, if not more than I was praying for myself, 
because he's an incredibly talented person. And, you know, he's very a great communicator. And so I've had to face that potential battle. And so I'm praying, oh, God, would you speak through him? And would he be affirmed by students and, and he could communicate deeply the heart of God in a way that each student could be blessed and challenged. And uh, so, you know, that that's, I'm just telling you, that's, that's who I am. And that's, that's the battles I face. Uh, look, okay, let's look down and what hinders us from being a servant. These are a few things or zillions, but these are a few that I thought of. Um, too caught up in the, up in needing to be noticed. Um, John 12, 43 says, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. That's a pretty good person. And, uh, you know, you're caught up in to be noticed and, and to be praised. And Jesus said, for they, they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. One time I, uh, my last year at OU, I, I had, I was only taking six hours my last semester. And so I had time. And so I was doing some volunteer work for the campus ministry. They have a nice building and yard and everything. And so I called Max and Sandra and asked if I could come over and mow their yard. And they said, yeah, sure. It needs mowing. So I felt really good about it. So I go over to their house you know, do the, get the mower, get the broom to brush grass off the driveway, mow their yard. Sandra invited me in for lemonade at the end. And I was feeling so good about myself. Yeah, I'm a servant and they noticed it. And so I drive back over to the, the, the building, the campus building, feeling so good about myself as a servant. And I, I happened to notice James Redeker, one of the other guys, in the in the in the uh, BSU, the Baptist Student Union, he was out back, and he had his shirt off, and he was digging a hole. It was about a hundred degrees that day in Oklahoma. He was digging a hole down to the sewer line to try to solve a sewer problem, and no one was around. No one was noticing. He might just happen to notice him back there, and so I'm 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 watching him digging this hole down to the sewer. And I'm thinking about my fun servant job of getting noticed by Max and Sander of mowing their yard. And I thought, oh God, I am so far from the heart of a servant, so far. And uh, God really convicted me deeply of that. Um, and then another one is, uh, you have not seen servanthood model. That's, you know, that's normal. I've, I've, uh, we've had students in our home for 50 years and for meals, served a zillion meals. And so, you know, Sandy normally does all the cooking and I jump up and clean the table and start washing dishes and put them away. And uh, so I, if I had a dollar for every time, this comment has been made. I could take y'all out for ice cream Sundays, but uh, inevitably a student would come up to me and said they have never seen their dad 
ever help their mother. And I thought, really? Is that really exist? But student after student, they come from, from homes that the mother's place is in the kitchen, yada, yada, yada. And so she does everything. And as, as you all know, that have cooked meals for, for people, uh, there's a lot of work both in preparation and in cleanup. Uh, another one is uh, lack of attentiveness, attentiveness and awareness. Uh, there's, a, there's a passage in Proverbs. It's a pretty interesting passage. I don't think I'll, I'll just paraphrase it to you. But this guy was walking down by a field. And it's all grown up with weeds. And the guy, so he, this guy walking by says, I stopped and observed this field. And I observed that, that there's a sluggard here. He has not taken care of his, his field. And, um, you know, this guy walking by, he was wise. He was attentive to it. And I think a lot of people go for, through life kind of ricocheting off the walls off the trees as you walk through campus and you're not alert to what's going on. Now, one time uh, I was leading a uh, summer training program uh, down in Texas. It's called West Texas Land Ranch for Christ. And so I was there all week and, and doing teaching and things. And so um, I asked the, and I was on about the fourth week The students had been there a month. I asked them to all stand up and turn around. And so I did that. And then I asked them, what is on the front wall? And not one of these students had a clue what was on the front wall. And there was like a deer antlers and, you know, a picture of a prairie and a clock. And there were four or five things up there. And they had, they, none of them, there was about 30 students could tell me anything that was on that front wall. Now you guys are smarter and more alert than that, but uh, you know, you look at this front wall. There's a guitar. There's a couple of signs. You know, some kind of a uh, wheel gizmo. I was looking at that a while ago. I thought, well, I wouldn't want to be under that if it <laughs> fell. I think it's made of wood. But uh, and that pulley system over there. And I was trying to figure out what in the world that sign made. Does anyone know what that sign refers to? Um, So this was a Western theme. Oh, a Western theme for their camp. Okay, you could have fooled me on that one. And uh, But, you know, being aware of what's going on around you and not just kind of stumble through life. Life is not about you. It's about God and, and others. And you need to learn to be aware of what's going on around you. Uh, one time, and this is kind of a dirty trick, I guess, but we had a group. This was our key leaders. There were about 10 of them at the time. And our, uh, there was trash in, involved and stuff. And so the trash can was totally full. In fact, there was a, uh, it was almost running over. And I happened to put that, I just kind of slid that trash over right by the, the doorway that went from the kitchen into the living room where we met. And there was a couple of cups you know, out on the floor, the cash can was totally full. And so it just sat there and, and these students were coming and going through that, that doorway, the kitchen to the living room. And 
So finally, we got settled into the, the living room. The, the trash can still sat there. And so I, so I just, I was feeling pretty frisky that, that night with the group. And I said, uh, so did anyone notice anything unusual in the distance between the table and the living room? And I thought, no. And I said, well, turn, turn to your, whichever way they were doing and look at that trash can. Oh, okay. So I, I, I didn't stop. Anyway, we talked about that. So I didn't stop there, though. I, I was really on a, on a roll that night. So I said, I want the gals. There were, I think, five gals and five men. And I said, um, the gals stay in here and the guys go back there. So they probably thought I had a word to say for both of them. So I asked both of them to tell me the, the gals, what the guys had on and the guys to tell me what the gals had on. The gals knew what the guys had on. The guys had no clue what the gals had on. Absolutely none. Sweater, skirt, jeans. They had no idea. And now I know you guys are not like that. But, um, you know, as again, it's about being alert. We can't be a servant unless we're really alert about what's going on. Um, I think sometimes we don't serve because of insecurity. We have no confidence um, in ourselves. So we, we default by just kind of stepping back from things. We're just insecure. And we don't want to make that step forward to do practical tasks of serving. And, uh, you know, you need to consider that for yourself. Do you not serve because of lies you believe that you're inadequate? You know, that's a lie from the devil. Anyone can empty a trash can or, or see something that needs to be done for someone. And if you're not doing that because of insecurity, that's, a, that's an issue with you and God to work out. And I would suggest you talk to one of your leaders about it or a friend to say, you know, I really need prayer for that. Don't be embarrassed about that. Just, you know, get to work on it. Uh, I think, you know, another one is don't take the Bible seriously. You know, Jesus so clearly spoke about being a servant and it's so permeating the Bible, you know, a lot of the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, you know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, you know, and, and they will reap the wonder of God. And, uh, and we just don't take the Bible seriously. You know, you just can't, a casual reading through the Bible, you can't really miss the heart of a servant. I mean, if you have any observing capacity at all, you cannot miss that. Okay, another one is unwilling to prioritize that which is most important. Um, and Chuck talked about priorities today, and and I think a servant's heart, it doesn't seem like we're doing something spiritual. You know, it'd be better to be leading a, a Bible study group or, or going out witnessing or you know, going to a Christian meeting. It seems like that's more the thing we should do. You know, the dichotomy is, is that 
serving is really, from, from God's perspective, the most important thing we can do. It's, it's really, it, we, it's hard for us to get that down in our day and age. We, this first group I took to China, uh, I mentioned a little bit about one of my talks. It, the stakes were high. Uh, there had been no Christian group coming to this campus. And do you know why we were asked back the next, next year? by this young couple that uh, was was there as language students on the campus. And they were career missionaries, but they were there as language students. They set up our trip, basically. Do you know why we were asked back? It is not because we were effective in evangelism, which we were. It was not because uh, we, we uh, didn't have any fights as a team. Uh, it was not because we related well with our, our teacher and the administration and we just didn't raise cane on the campus. We were we respected property. You know why we were asked back? Because Elaine said that we served her family so much. She had she and Matt had two little girls. One was about uh, five and the other one two. And we, we would go over, we would bring food if we could. We would stay till the last dish was washed and, and put away. We would at times babysit the kids so they could go out for a much needed break. And she said, you are so welcome to come back. And, and you know, you'd think we'd be asked back because our effectiveness in ministry, which we were. But that was not why we were invited back. We were invited back because we loved them and served them. And uh, we had multiple groups go back to, the, to this city. But it started with a servant's heart. That opened the door. Um, and then unwilling to recognize that serving in little things are, as, are a huge part of life. Uh, I remember going into McDonald's one time with Max Barnett. We were, I don't know what we were doing. We were grabbing lunch or something. And uh, and he said, you know, I this was back years ago when McDonald's was kind of the end thing to go to. Wasn't a whole lot of other options. But he said, you know, I always try to leave a place cleaner than when I came in. And... Uh, you know, I thought about that when I go into a bathroom, you know, is there some paper towel on the floor? Uh, when I, I go, like, let's say I go to McDonald's and the, you know, the place is not real clean, you know, I'll pick it up. Uh, and, and I thought, what a great heart to try to leave a place better than when you arrive. And that's, that's the heart of a, a servant. And, and, you know, if we're unwilling to recognize that serving in the little things, he that is faithful, Hebrews, uh, Luke 16, 10, who the, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. That's, that's an odd concept to us, but it's what, it's what Jesus said. So, um, okay, practical. We'll get through these and see how the time is. Um, 
So look for and anticipate opportunities to serve. Try to try to be a step ahead. You know, you're going to know dinner tonight. There's going to be some level of mess. Occasionally, people will drop a napkin or leave something on the. You know, just look for and anticipate opportunities to serve. You go home. You know, look for things when you walk in the door. You know, you don't come in with you know. Here's my laundry. Here am I, the king or queen returning home, and mom, here's the laundry, and I've got to do this and that, and, you know, when is dinner? I'll be back. You know, but what what can I do to love and to bless and to serve? And so that's how you, that's how you should approach any relationship, by the way. You know, a lot of you are receivers from staff. And you, uh, you know, in in some ways, rightfully so, they they're a step ahead and in, in spiritual things, and they're seeking to give your life, their life to help you. But you look at at them as an opportunity. God, how can I bless them? And it may just be to really pray for them and to love them in that way. But you know, are you aware of their needs and? Uh, you know, caring them and loving them in that way. Uh, secondly, serve with excellence. Mark uh, seven thirty seven says Jesus does all things well, <laughs> and that was as people looked at Jesus, that was their analysis of him that he does all things well. And so I have to ask myself, uh, do I do all things well? Uh, you know, I my joy and opportunity is cleaning up after dinner. And uh, I, you know, I get the uh, dishwasher stacked up. I do the pots and pans. But Sandy one time came up to me and said, you know, one thing ye lack. (laughs) And uh, she said, you leave the sink in disarray. And there's little food particles here and there and some butter that got smudged in. And she said, could you also clean up the sink as well as all the other wonderful things? And it was very loving. She wasn't like on my case or anything. She just requested that. And uh, so I, as I was serving, I was not doing something well. I was not completing the serving opportunity. I left the sink dirty. And, and that was important to her because she would go in later and do things and she would have to scour down the sink. And it takes me like 20 seconds to do that. And I remember going into a guy's apartment one time and there were three of them. And so I went in and actually they'd invited me over and none of the beds were made. The, the dishes were like, I couldn't find one clean dish in that whole place. They were in the sink, they were on the counter, uh, the beds weren't made, there was, you know, clothes laying around even the living room and books and stuff. And I said, uh, and so I, the guy said, and I said, okay, guys, there's two things that uh, I want to share with you since, since I've been here. I thought, I felt they could take it, so I, I was ready to roll. I said, number one, there is no one alert in this house. Not one of you three 
have any sense of alertness because uh, if you did, you would notice the needs of this house. And uh, I said, the second thing is there is not a servant in this house. And uh, I have a friend, uh, Dave Edwards, as a pastor down in Norman. He was one of those guys. And he, he, he reminds me of that time of, of how he said at that point, he knew I loved him at that point when I was willing to call, call him on that. And uh, sometimes we have to, you know, talk to people seriously about their needs. And, uh, you know, they begin to, you know, it, you know we have a, a king-size bed. And uh, I usually get up first and take the dog out to do her thing. And Sandy will often make up the bed. And, uh, but sometimes she'll get up first for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I, and this is a, a king size bed. It's, it's a kind of a complicated bed and, uh, the, the mattress pushes up against the, the wall kind of. And so it's not like a little twin, but I, I can make up that bed and it looks great in less than a minute. And yet, and uh, it's not like I'm rushing around. It's just, you know, I go to one side, I pull up the, the sheets and mattress, get it tucked, get it straight up here. I go to the other side, do the same thing. I come back around the other side and finish tidying it with the bellow there. The other side, do it, and I can do it in about a minute. And, uh, you know, is that too much time to serve and to bless Sandy? I don't think it's too much time. Uh, and uh, serve, serve in such a way that the one you serve doesn't have to check on the quality of your work. Uh, I had a guy that would mow my grass occasionally, but he would leave grass all over creation. And, uh, you know, literally. And so I would have to go out and take 20 minutes cleaning the grass off of the sidewalk and the, the, the driveway and everything. And so I, I talked about him. I said, you know, boy, I so appreciate you coming over to mow the grass. And it would be possible for you to mow in such a way that grass isn't flying up on the, on the sidewalk and the porch. And then if there is, there's the broom right there in the driveway or in the garage that, you know, you could kind of sweep that out. And he said, oh, yeah, boy, I'll be glad to do that. And, uh, and he began to do that. But we serve in such a way that someone just doesn't have to check up on our work. Um, another one is uh, be okay if you are not noticed or thanked. And this could be the hardest one. And... Uh, uh, we all want to be thanked for what we do. I have a, I have a friend who's, uh, on the, on the, uh, uh, the spectrum, what do they call it? The, the word uh, autism spectrum. And she doesn't really have the capacity to enter into like being thankful and it's just she's really limited on things she can respond to. She's a really sweet gal, but that's just how she was born. And so I'll do things for her a lot, but she never really thanks me for it. 
oh, thanks so much for, you know, doing this or doing that. And uh, at first it really bothered me because I really want to be thanked when I do something for someone, you know, and uh, I, wanted, I want them to notice that. And, uh, but in this case, she's not able to do it. She has social limitations. And I had to kind of die to that. And, you know, have I died, you know, can you do things for people and either they forget to thank you or um, they get busy doing something else? And we so want to be thanked and recognized. And you just got to, you got to lay that down. It's not about you. It's about God and others. And it's a death you have to die. You know, we surrender that part of our life and it's okay. Um, then don't mention the trouble or inconvenience. Um, actually, that's Luke 17.10, not 47.10. But don't mention the trouble. Oh, yeah, I, I, would, I would have wanted to, to go to this or do that, but uh, I'm carving out some time to be over here to serve you. You know, that's not being a servant. That You're wanting to be noticed and recognized for your sacrifice. And that's not the nature of a servant. You know, Jesus, when he, when he served the disciples or when he washed the disciples' feet, you know, he didn't mention, you know, you know, I would have preferred, you know, you guys doing all this and uh, me, you know, getting on with the dinner here. And, uh, but I'll, I'll do this, you know, because your feet need to be washed. That was not, you know, he just had the heart. That's what he wanted to do for people. And uh, he didn't mention the trouble. And then the final one I have here is to serve people is to serve Jesus. I mentioned that earlier, and, you know, as you have loved the least of these. And ultimately, we, we do things for people. In reality, we're doing it for the Lord. And some of you have had to do a lot of crummy stuff. Maybe someone else should have done it. And uh, maybe you're having to pick up to someone that should have done a better job. And, and all this, and but to serve, I just have to remember this: if I serve someone in whatever capacity, uh, I'm serving the Lord God. So these these are just the things I wanted to mention to you. Here, let me let me mention one more thought, and then uh, we have a little bit of time for questions. I'm okay with getting out early too. Trust me. And uh, but here's the thing: I think. Someday we're going to be in heaven with our brothers and sisters and the whole of humanity of, that have turned to Christ. And it's going to be so wonderful in, in the King of Kings and worshiping him. You know, I think one activity that will still carry over is serving each other. Why? Because it's the very best we can do. We cannot be more on top of life than serving. And, and here's another one, and this one I'm not sure I can get my head around. You might not be able to either. But I believe that in heaven, Jesus himself will be serving us. Now, we'll certainly be worshiping 
worshiping him on the throne and all that, you know, is talked about in Revelation. But because serving really is first, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, I believe that we're going to have the experience and however that plays out of the king of kings serving us. Now, I'm not sure you can get your head around that, but I think that's going to be a part of our experience of all eternity being in heaven. Okay, any questions you have? If not, we'll call it a day. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about like, being a humble servant, right? And I feel like a lot of times, like, humility is, like, talked as, like, a passive character. Like, oh, interesting. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm, my talk the other night on... Uh, I led with that verse in uh, James 4.10 uh, about God wants us to humble ourselves. And in the journey for this humility, and I suggested that night, is that it's through confession of our needs and our sins to each other. And that act is a humble act. And... Uh, you, you cannot go to someone and say, you know, I was wrong in this attitude. It may not be about them, but maybe, maybe you, you know, you don't like this or this about maybe the ministry and you badmouthed it and uh, you talked to someone about your gripes and, and to humble yourself and say, you know, I was so wrong in that attitude. And, and I did you disservice by the words I said. And I wondered if you would forgive me for that. And you see, in that act, we humble ourselves. And, um, it, you know, I think some people try to do humility, maybe, you know, like, giving up internet for a day or something, you know, doing without, you know, maybe that's a little fringe humility, but the way I, I found to humble myself and consider myself uh, the least of these, my brothers, you know, I, I get with all you all and I think, oh God, how great this group is. And, and I'm so humbled. And, you know, people ask me for dinner and time. And I, it, it kind of takes my breath away. You know, why would they want to get with me? And, you know, I, I, you know, I just thank God for that. And it's overwhelming at times. I go to bed every night and I, th I think back over the day and I think, oh, God, how, how amazing it is that I've been able to have a, a part Maybe a small part, but a part. And, you know, it's in confession to God and to others that we grow that humble heart. I just, I just don't know any other way to do it. I, you know, maybe you have ways to do it. I can memorize scriptures, you know, every day for 10 years. And that, that in itself won't bring humility to my heart. It's in my confession of my needs, my weaknesses, my sins. That's where humility grows. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, speak up real high because I need to be able to hear you. 
Um, with with celebrating, were you saying that uh, it's mainly it's difficult to celebrate those you're jealous of, or celebrate others in general? Um, and it's like something like uh, a friend's first job, or girlfriend, or first convert. Like, how would you celebrate? Yeah. Yeah, oh, let me get, that's a good question. Like, um, a few years ago, uh, one of our gals was getting married. And uh, we had a really close friend with, that was a, an attendant in this wedding. And she was up front, and uh, she was single, and she was a little older. And so I went up to her after the wedding. I think we were in the reception on a I said, uh, and, and all the other attendants were married, and she was the oldest of them. And I, I asked her, I said, I think that was maybe hard for you to be a part of the, the wedding and, and, the, and, and the fun and the celebration of it. She said, yeah, it, it has been. It is today. And I, and I said, so, you know, are you able to rejoice with the bride? And she said, that's such a, a great question I need to answer. And she had to process that out. You know, could she really, truly celebrate with her brothers and sisters and others that have opportunities and advancements, maybe in work or maybe in ministry. Uh, you know, sometimes you're invited to be on a ministry team. And from, for whatever reason, it's not because necessarily you're a bad person. You may not be quite ready or the staff may feel, you know, it's not the right time for you. You may need a little more time. You know, can you celebrate with those that are invited to be a, a part? That's really hard, and I'm not saying it's easy. You know, this to me is where the rubber meets the road on discipleship. I don't, I don't want to know so much how many verses you're memorizing, although that's important. I've learned a lot of verses over the years. What I want to know is can you really celebrate with your friends? Can you, do you have a heart of confession and your, your inner heart is so humble before God and, and others. To me, that is an incredible mark of maturity. Okay, I don't, is that okay? Okay, anyone else have something? Well, if not, I'll be around, you can ask me. Um, but uh, I'm glad y'all are here. And uh, I hope that maybe I contributed a little bit to the the role of what servant is about. Why don't we pray and then you'll have some time before dinner. Father, I thank you for the things we've covered and I do pray uh, that the things that really are of you and uh, are truth that you would let the gang here remember and apply. Lord, the things that I've said that are just not right or half a bubble off, Lord, just help them to forget those things. Uh, I thank you that you call us to be a servant and uh, you empower us to be a servant because you live in us. And we thank, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Spring Break 2022 season of the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Catch up on and review the rest of the sessions right here on all of your favorite podcast platforms and leave us a review if you'd please. Get involved and find out more about us, weekly small groups, and upcoming events like this Spring Break Retreat on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.